Howdy, Suns fans, and welcome to the Suns Report Podcast. My name is John, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew. How John, are you, sir? Buddy, I always cut you off I before you finish every time. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. No, I'm sorry, man. I get too excited to say something. <laughs> well, I'm not very excited about the Suns this past week, but Me you know neither. what? We'll try to stay as positive as we can, All right. and we're going to go into our Week 19 recap this week on this here podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Network. You simply press subscribe on whatever platform you're utilizing to listen to this podcast. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Darth Voida. And at Matthew Lissy. And you can always hit up the podcast itself, at The Sun's Report. You can hit us up on Facebook. Say hi to us on Instagram. Email us, thesunsreport at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. No matter what, love your sons. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to do. You got to remember on after nights like last night, losing to Golden State, yep. to love your sons no matter what. It's going to be a phlegmy podcast today. <laughs> Why is that? I just have phlegm. Oh, gross. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't adjust your dials. <laughs> uh, but before we get into the week 19 recap, I definitely, after this pack, past week, need a freaking beer. Yes. So I'm going to pop open this here cerveza, and we're going to talk about the week that was week 19. news of week 19 I feel was Kelly Oubre we found out that he has a torn meniscus and although the Suns haven't officially said anything and taken a stance on this I think it's pretty apparent that he's going to be out for the rest of the season I know that Ricky Rubio was you know in pregame shooting the ball around in earned practice I'm sorry wearing Kelly Oubre's practice jersey kind of as an homage to him and once I saw that I was like oh shit Kelly's out so yeah you know, yeah. how, how does this make you feel? It was expected part of the timeline for the Suns. This is the timeline we have a great, great win against a team. Mm-hmm. Something stupid happens. And <laughs> in this case, it's a Kelly Oubre injury. No one can ever see that happening. I mean, the way he's so aggressive on the floor, but did you even see an injury happen? I went back and I was watching a few of the highlights. I was trying to pinpoint a time yeah. in which his production fell off for the remainder of the game. And I couldn't find anything. I don't think anybody knows how he did it. So how do you think he did it? Oh, it's a sex act. Well, I mean, it was part of his, uh, you know, it's a sex injury. Okay. Say. Yeah. It has to be, right? <laughs> it's well, got to be. So, first, clearly, that's the only logical explanation for yeah. Kelly Oubre's torn meniscus in his knee is a sex injury. <laughs> well, it's the first thing I thought of. As soon as I heard he was hurt, I was like, I didn't see him leave the game hurt. He locked off the floor after the win. So I was like, oh, it must have been a sex injury. And it just reminded me of right away, uh, Dennis Rodman. I think it was a 30 for 30 he was talking about. I don't know. So he, Dennis Rodman talked about when he used to, it's sex and stuff in like the hotel room. He would run at the, the woman that's uh-huh. on the other side of the room. And then he would he broke his penis three times and had to go to the emergency room. So oh. I just thought about stuff like that. Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Kelly Oubre, except for he just tore meniscus. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's our take on it. I guess that's how <laughs> Kelly Oubre got hurt. Um, so yeah, it's part of the timeline though with the Suns because this is what happens. We win the good game, something stupid happens, and then we lose a close game to a good team. Mm-hmm. And then we just... We suck for two weeks. Just cannot win a game. 
and it doesn't matter who we play. And this is the way the Suns are, and it's just the way they've been for the past five years. So this is what I expected after that Utah game. Like they're not going to follow it up with anything good. I so feel like it happens all too often, and yeah. we've seen it way too often, which is unfortunate. I guess you know, looking at the bright side, and it's hard to find a silver lining in having one of your soul be tore out because Kelly Oubre is the soul of this team. And you can see that once he's not around, there's a different level of swag on this team. That is, there is no swag on this team without Kelly yes, Oubre. There's nothing. And so you're trying to find the silver lining in this injury. And maybe it's the fact that it occurred during a sex act. Or maybe it's the fact that now we have an opportunity to see more of Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Now, Mikael was already starting, but now you're going to get more uh, a different variety of minutes that he provides. And you're going to get to see more Cam Johnson. Is that yes. something that you're looking forward yeah. to? that was the second thing I thought about. Was like I get to see my boy Cam get a lot more minutes. And I was kind of excited for that. But I, didn't, I wasn't too upset. I mean, it sucks that Uber was hurt, but I wasn't thinking it was going to devastate the Suns this much to where we're going to lose these easy games mm-hmm. coming up. We'll talk about them. But I just thought that Cam Johnson has deserved the minutes. He's been playing great. He's a very confident player. So for him to get minutes, it's kind of... Makes me a little bit happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely earned them, and he can, you know, on a couple occasions, he really showcased why he is uh, somebody who is near and dear to the Phoenix Suns fans' hearts because he's got a deadly shot, and now we have an opportunity to see more of that. So again, yeah. that's the silver lining. What do you think this does for Kelly Oubre's off season? I don't think it affects it. Okay. Um, I, I think teams know who he is. It's just a freak accident, whatever happened. I mean, that's the way the Suns get injured, just weird things. And it's not going to affect anything because teams know what Kelly Oubre is. And they can see what he can bring to a team like the Suns. And you didn't see it until he's gone. You didn't see the energy. I mean, we saw the energy, but mm-hmm. kind of like what we saw without him, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So if we had TJ Warren again instead of Kelly Oubre, just be losing games consistently because yeah. we have no fire. So that's frustrating. But I don't think any teams are going to be like, ah, well, he has an injury injury issue or injury problem. That's okay. not going to be a thing for me, I don't think. Okay. I think that it allows the Suns a little bit more control over Kelly Oubre in the fact that we have a guy who's injured and now we have the opportunity to go, listen, work on your injury Stay with the team. We're, we want you here, obviously, because he he's a sexy player, sexy man, sexy player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from from a contract standpoint, he his contract he's uh, fifteen million next year, and that's it. So he's somebody who other teams could be interested in as kind of a rental. And I feel that now that he's injured, the Suns can say, "Listen, we're definitely not shopping you. You're staying here." And other teams aren't going to be, he's going to be a little less appealing. The reason I say that is because you have Mikhail Bridges, you have Cam Johnson, you have guys who potentially could fill that three spot who are cheaper, and Kelly Oubre has value on the trade market. And I was interested to see what the Suns were going to do with him this offseason due to that. And I think now that this injury's occurred, nothing's going to happen. Uh, we will have a podcast that we're putting out on Tuesday called Understanding the Assets, mm, and it's all yeah. about the Suns' assets. And I'll go into a little bit more in-depth on my thoughts there, but my initial thought once I heard that is like, cool, Kelly's going to be here next year. He's not going to be somebody who's, that's going to be traded because he has value, and we have guys who potentially could come up behind yeah. him. Well, as we look at Week 19, uh, we go through the games. There were four games this week for the Phoenix Suns. And as we sat here last week and we talked about it, we go, okay, 
we feel that the Suns are going to go two and two on the week. We had two games against really hard teams. You had Utah and the Clippers, and we had two games against really easy teams, which was Detroit and the Golden State Warriors. The Suns ended up going one and three on the week, and now that puts them at 24 and 37 on the year, and they are the 13th seed in the Western Conference. Again, that's where we were this time last week was the 13th seed in the Western Conference. We're so close to 25 games. And it's one thing, like, I was really looking forward to coming on this podcast, but like, you know what? The Suns have broken through 25 wins. Because the last time the Suns have broken through and won 25 games in a season was 2012 and 2013. Seven years ago (laughs) is the last time that this team won 25 games. Do you know who our top three scorers were on that team? Uh, Nash, Marion, and Amari Sotomayor. Yeah, Just kidding. incorrect, incorrect, <laughs> followed by incorrect. It was Goran Dragic, Louis Scola, and Marcin oh, Gortat. Yeah, dude. And that team ended with 25 wins. So it's like, <laughs> we're going to obviously break that through that barrier. This yeah. was a good week to do it, week 19. And it just... It didn't happen. It was a disappointing week for the Suns. Yeah, it was totally disappointing, man. And you thought the Suns would go two and two, mm-hmm. win two, lose two, but then we had a chance to go three and one because it's the Clippers. The Clippers will figure out a way to win now. I feel like they're getting that mentality where they're going to go into the playoffs strong and they're going to start actually playing. Their players are going to actually play now and kind of get grouped together and then get that chemistry. Yeah, they're uh, going into playoff mode yeah, right now. Exactly. So you thought, oh, okay, so we can go three and one. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Oppo- opposite. Yeah. One and three. So it's disgusting, dude. I don't know. Let's you just want to start with the Utah game. Yeah, then? let's start with the brightest part of the week, and that was Utah, the yeah. demolition of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. I mean, we, we have these games once in a while where we just can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I know the refs, so in this one, I mean, I, I usually don't talk about the refs too much, but this one, like, they're whistle-happy the whole time, man. I mean, every Suns player had, like, four fouls in the third quarter oh, instantly. So I think that hurt them a lot, but all of a sudden, the Suns came out and whooped some ass in the fourth quarter, dude. <laughs> well, I thought this was kind of a, a karma game, if you will, because to your point, the refs were unbelievably whistle happy. Yes. If you look at it, the the Jazz had 25 free throw attempts in the first half and ended the game with 43 free throw attempts. The Suns had 24. This was the most free throw attempts by the opposition that the Suns have had this season. Jeez. So there you go. Yeah. That, I mean, right there. You know, I like to say that this game didn't happen in Salt Lake City. It happened in a suburb of Salt Lake City, which was dubbed Foul City, Utah. Ooh. Because and and it's such a hard watch when you have games like that, right? Because there's no rhythm. There's every, not every time they go down the court, whistle, whistle free throws, yeah. go down, whistle, free and throws. And it's so inconsistent to where it's like you don't even know what a foul is because then they're calling fouls for one team, mm-hmm. and it went both ways. I feel like sometimes where it's like Suns got away with stuff, Utah got away with stuff. So if you're gonna blow the whistle, be consistent. I guess the game's too fast still for the human eyes. <laughs> I still don't understand this crap, man. Well, again, it's just frustrating. It, it was to just watch. it felt like it was you know just a lot of. Of shitty calls, in my opinion. But again, I yeah. felt like karma was a part of this game because it seemed like that after every bad call or non call, it led to a poor possession by the Jazz. So it didn't really benefit the refs trying to give them the game. And the Suns, you know, how did they overcome all those shitty calls? Shooting. They were 56.3% from the field, which was their third best performance on the season. And they shot 60% from deep. Yeah, You know, we talked about it on the last podcast, how the Suns are just like high-low when it comes to shooting from downtown. 
Some games they can't miss, like this game, sixty percent, and then other games, you know, like the next game is like twenty nine percent. It's like they just can't. They can't. They can't just kick it at thirty five percent. Just be consistent. They have to either be insane or just like can't yeah. hit the, the broad side of a barn. But this is one of those games where they did a great job shooting from downtown. They had thirty three assists in this game, mm-hmm. so definitely doing a great job uh, from a ball movement standpoint. They had another great third quarter. They had 37 points, and this was their third straight game with 35-plus in the third quarter. And they killed Utah in the paint 64-42. Yeah. to So you take all those things combined, and that was the Suns somehow, some way overcoming that shitty refereeing. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, because Utah was playing really sloppy, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like they gave mm-hmm. the Suns the, the game, basically. Um, I know they, did, they had some lineup changes after this game to where they— I think Mike Connolly went to the bench to where he's not even starting anymore because they're trying to figure out to a way. They're trying to figure out a way to get this team on the winning side again. Um, but like you said, the threes, they hit three threes in a row. I don't remember the last time I've ever seen that, man. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? No, it was crazy. I had to write that down. I'm like, that's th- they're taking a third three and they made it. It's just crazy. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed too um, with this game, Booker went to. Earlier, earlier this day, uh, before the Utah game, the ceremony for Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant yeah. was, yeah. So that was earlier, and then Booker went to that, and he came back. And it made me think. I'm like, I know he hasn't been playing great ever since the All-Star break, and also the trade with D'Lo, so people keep pointing that out. But it's honestly since like Kobe Bryant died. You think that has a bigger effect than people really think or know? I, absolutely. Psychologically. more draining than him going through the whole season and playing? It's just that. I think it's definitely a part of it. I mean, this has been a very interesting year for Devin Booker. Uh, one thing that I think is a reason that he struggled as of late, and I've planned on talking about it a little later, is just the fact that he's played the entire season. Yes. There's no taking breaks for injuries or air quotes injuries. You know, it's yes. like, oh, you know, Devin Booker's, you know, right toe isn't feeling too hot. We need to sit him like we've done in the past and when we're tanking. So you take in the fact that he's physically tired, and he's probably mentally tired too. But, I think so too. And then you take emotionally tired. And Kobe Bryant, yeah, that's draining, man. I mean, yeah. his idol, big hit to him emotionally in this game. You know, he did attend the event in uh, Southern California, then flew to Utah for the event. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different emotional things pulling at this guy, as well as the physical tolls that the yeah, season, I think so too. you know, take, and as well as the mental toll of trying to carry a team on his back. So I think a combination yeah. of those things is why Devin Booker's kind of struggled as of late. Yeah. And what's so crazy is I feel like the team as a whole is playing so great lately to mm-hmm. where he just needs to finish the job a lot, but he's not doing that either to where he's not making the shots that he was making earlier in the season, just like the big shots or like, any anything to like to carry it the team like to score 10 in a row you know what i mean like he used to do that stuff now it's not there the team as a whole i feel like is playing better even uber is out but everyone's really having an impact i feel like in but booker's like kind of absent from that um i know that utah i mean i know the suns won this game against utah but it was it was i was just hoping the whole time i was like is booker gonna like get it together in this game or not but we didn't need him and well, it was a team effort. It was, you know, exactly. Everybody yeah. chipped in and had a fantastic game. And this was the first time that the Suns won in Utah since November of 2013. And what was interesting about that victory in Utah back in 13 was that was the first night of a back-to-back against the Jazz. Mm-hmm. So they played the Jazz one night in Utah, then the next night they played them in Phoenix. And yeah. they, they, they lost that game. <laughs> and... uh 
The number one song on the radio, November of 2013. What do you think it was? Call Me Baby? No. Good good guess. Good guess. Yeah, what was it? Uh, Royals by Lord. Oh, okay. Yeah, so random yeah. facts by John. Uh, but again, you know, I think that the Utah game was a great start to the week, coming out, beating a, an elite NBA talent, you know, yeah. a top four team. Uh, in the Western Conference and doing it at their yeah. at their arena in the elevated state that is Salt Lake City, going against the refs and still winning. I mean, like you said, boom, three and one. This is going to be a great week. Yeah, we can. We have a chance to make the playoffs. Still, you know, yeah, we're not too abs- far away. Four absolutely. games, four and a half games. Yeah, Memphis is continuing to lose. We're like, yeah. okay, we can we can pull this out. And then the next game is the the Clippers game, and I think that this was the outcome I believed was going to occur. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, I figured when we played the Los Angeles Clippers that they would probably beat us. You know, this is the first game of a six-game homestand, and there's a lot of opportunity in this homestand. It's time to move. It's time to make that, that climb up the standings and make a march towards the playoffs. And I figured we'd probably lose this game to start because, like we said, the Clippers are going into playoff mode. Yeah. The Suns lost this game on Wednesday night by 10 points. Uh, the Suns had an aggressive first quarter, but then the Clippers did what they do, and their defense really tightened. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the Clippers' defense? It was great, dude. I Honestly, the first thing I thought about, and even in the first quarter, was like, these matchups are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved um, Beverly versus Rubio. Yep. I loved Booker versus like, Kawhi Leonard. And then you got... When, Kawhi Bri- when Bridges, when, yeah, yeah, when Bridges was on Leonard, I'm like, this is great. It's great, it, but it makes you realize too. Um, we have that team now to where it's like we can match up with teams, and we have players that can go toe to toe with these guys. Yeah. We may not win or blow anybody out, or uh, this obviously turned into a closer game. But I'm so confident in these dudes and the starting lineup we have to where we have a real NBA team out there <laughs> that can compete, man. It just made me realize it's like, these are great matchups. Like these guys are ready for it. And of course the Clippers are just a way better defensive team. Yes. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like first team, all defensive players. So they're going to have the edge. And like you said earlier, dude, especially if they're playing to make a run in the playoffs, it's going to be even 10 times harder to play against these dudes. Amen. Well, I think that one thing that reared its head in this game was coaching. <laughs> you know, when Devin Booker, or I'm sorry, when Mikel Bridges was on Kawhi Leonard, he gave him fits. He made him work hard for every shot he did. He, yeah. A lot of times, Kawhi passed out. So what did the Clippers do in the second quarter to respond? They began doing high pick and rolls to get switches that put Booker on Leonard. Yeah. And then Leonard just went crazy on Booker. Well, yeah. He'd back him down. He did whatever he wanted with him. Because De- Devin Booker, as much as we love him, is not a good defensive he's not, player. He's not long enough. He, no. He doesn't have the length. And it's just like it goes on the other side of things where when Booker's against like a Leonard, it's difficult for him because Booker is, he's not stubby armed or anything like that, yeah. but he has normal arms. He's not yeah. like... Mikael Bridges. Exactly. He can't get a shot over someone like a Leonard. Even if Leonard wasn't a great defensive player, it's hard for Booker because of the length. You know what I mean? It's just a tough thing for him. So when he gets a switch, I mean, Leonard can live there all day. He can get off any kind of shot he wants, but Leonard can get any kind of shot he wants against anybody. So, but he had a hard time against Bridges, he does. And which that's was the thing great that to was see. Awesome. I, but again, great that. coaching negated that because they just started doing the switches. Yeah. And it took Booker out of his game for sure. I felt like his handles were definitely chopping this game. Yes. And his shot was definitely off. Five for 19 from the floor is what he shot. Yeah. And he looked like a guy who was like up all night playing Call of Duty. 
Like that's why, like he just looked tired out there, you know. We, and <laughs> we, so? yeah, yeah, I mean, he, and we mentioned did. it before. But like, yeah, we're gonna talk about why. this like all week. He looked like this. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think he's just tired. No, yeah, it's like I said, mentally tired, physically tired, yeah. emotionally tired. You're starting to really see that. I'll tell you one thing I saw in this game that I never thought I would see, and that was this uh, a Dario Saric and Aaron Baines pick and roll. Oh, it happened. Yeah. I was like, "What's going on?" Like, no, that's amazing. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? I'm like, yeah. what's going on? I thought you were gonna say, "Oh, you saw Okobo in the lineup." Oh no, in, I, in the game. I thought you were gonna say that. Yeah, Okobo's that, all, always in the freaking yeah. lineup for some stupid reason. <laughs> I talk about the Clippers and how they're doing a good job from a coaching standpoint, recognizing where there's opportunity to take advantage of defensive deficiencies. Yeah. Then you look at Monty Williams, who just can't do the same thing on the offensive end. No. He's like, you know what? I'll just put Ellie in, first guy off the bench every time. Yeah. And what happens? And I've talked about this a little too often, perhaps. But Elliot Kobo's just not that good. Yeah, everyone's seen that. You know? And it's just, I <laughs> yeah, still we know. Like, but why doesn't the coach see that? The thing I, I mean, was thinking... Isn't that the guy who's paid to see yeah, that? Yeah, the thing I was thinking last night, it's like, you're the coach. You want to give the guy confidence. And you know him more personally than we do. So it's like... You want to continue to put him in the game to see if you can get what you think he has out of him, because that's the only way to get better. Is just to keep him in there, give him the reps. Even though, yeah, I mean, when you watch Ali Akobo pass the ball, it's like what I think of is he's just looking at us with his hands down the sink in the compactor, and as soon as you look at him, he turns the switch on. That's what it's like when when Okobo's passing the ball. It is hard to watch. It's, yeah, you're like, Ugh, he's it's like, like oh, it's, you ready it's for cringy. this? It's worse than Bledsoe when Bledsoe used to it's, telegraph everything. It's funny, though, you say that because I was thinking about that. He's very Bledsoe-ish. Yes. He's a guy who'll start driving down the lane, and then he'll jump in the air to do a shot, but he, at, right as he's getting ready to jump, two bigs... Yes. Come and, and and are standing like twin towers around him, and at that that's the moment where he looks around, and is like, oh shit, I got a pass, yeah. and he turns the ball over, mm-hmm. and it's this I can't stand point guards like that that don't see the floor. I'm not saying that Javon Carter is better offensively than Eliakobo, but he's definitely better defensively, and his three point shooter or his three point shot is a lot better, and he doesn't turn the ball over, and yes. then when Carter shoots, he's gonna shoot confidently, and mm-hmm. he's gonna. He's gonna he's gonna make half his threes like what she's had. He's like fifty percent now for like since the All Star break. Mm-hmm. So I think we just need someone that can pass the ball. And Elliot Kobo can't pass it. I don't no. care. I don't care if Kobo scores twenty points a game. He can't pass the ball. And that's what I want. That's what we want from our point guard. And that's again, I don't know why Monty Williams doesn't just have Carter be the first guy come it's, off the it's bench. It's crazy to me. It's like, do you want to win these games? You can't figure it out by now. I mean, there's a lot. I have notes about just. Monte yeah. Williams and just how I feel like he's costing us more games now and now, like over and over again. Mm-hmm. So one final thought on uh, Elia Kobo. Every time Elia Kobo shoots a three pointer, do you know what sound goes through my head? I uh, what? Wee! That's what I picture in my head. I just it's I don't know. I'm not a fan of his shot. <laughs> I'm not like, a fan yeah. of his game. The shot looks like it somewhat bounced it off of a trampoline. And it's yeah, going, that's what it looks because like, it's bounce and goes and so it goes high. so weird. Like it just goes all over the place. You I know? just feel like there's too much room for error with his shot. Yes. Back to the Suns versus the Clippers game. After having their best night of the year from deep, they followed up with a 26.5 percent shooting night and their fourth overall worst shooting night of the season. Yeah. So again. This is why the Suns are the Suns. They're just inconsistent. They are. You know, again, we're playing against the Clippers, which 
was the result that I expected. This is a great defensive team getting ready to gear up for the playoffs. So I understand that. It was very nice to see DeAndre Ayton go for 25 and 17 and exude his dominance mm-hmm. against a great defensive team. They had no answer for him, which is, I love that when he's going against teams where they have no answer for him. But again, the Suns, I mean, I didn't even put the stats together, but I, I'd be interested to see what the, the Suns shooting percentage would have been without DA. Because, oh, you know, he had a good night. I think he shot 50% from the field. If I remember correctly, he was like 11 for 22. But, I mean, you take that out of it. I mean, they shot horribly in this yeah. game. But, no, again, did. it was the, the result that we expected. It was. And I can't, it's, we're far from it, though, with the Suns just the, the, having the mentality of like, oh, this is just another team. We have to take care of business. Because mm-hmm. that's the way the Clippers are now, of course. Because yes. like, they have the experience. But the way they walk around the court and they just like walk around smoking a pipe if they want, they can do whatever they want because they just like – we know we can win because we, we've been there. And the Suns are far from that. Agreed. Because the Suns take into account who the hell we're playing every game, and it mm-hmm. hurts us every game. Exactly. So it's whether a- it's the Warriors or whether it's the Clippers, they know who they're playing. They're like, we know their record. It's like, no, just go out there. Know your matchups. Mm-hmm. Coach your team well, and Monte. Execute. And just Yes, please. And don't just it doesn't matter who you're playing. Just go out there and be confident, man. And it's they would win half more than half these games, but they don't. But they don't. All right, real quick before we get into the next uh, two shitty games of the week, oh my let's gosh. Uh, let's take a break. On Friday night, the Phoenix Suns were hosting one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, and that is the Detroit Pistons. And you know your team's bad in the Eastern Conference if they can't even get the eighth seed because their eighth seed is barely a five hundred team. Yeah. So here come the Detroit Pistons. They're coming in on a seven-game losing streak. In fact, their last win was February fifth at home against phoenix so they're a team that's down they've traded away every freaking asset they they had when they beat phoenix in early february yeah andre drummond's gone morris is gone uh blake griffin's blake griffin's out for the season you know so i mean like okay this should be a nice and easy win so sarge comes out in this game and he's getting the start and again sarge just can't buy a call no he can't this guy's down low in the blocks turning around getting hit by three guys and they don't blow any whistle. But on the other side of the court, a guy drives by him and he automatically gets yes. the foul. I don't get that. It, it's That's the way it is. It's the way it's always been with this guy. Poor Dario. It sucks. And I don't know if he... I mean, he can't... He tries to complain, and, but he gets no respect. It's yeah, terrible. None. I know he's not that, I mean, great of a player. He's not an all-star, but... But come still, on, a foul's guy a gets, foul. Yeah, he gets slaughtered down there. Yeah. He gets hacked, slaughtered, and, and they still don't give him any calls. And that... That's something that I saw in the first uh, half, and I was just like, you know what? This is this game has a weird feel to it. It does. It really did. It really did. You know, it 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 seemed like it was going to be a much better game from the start because you look at the first half, and the Suns played well. I think DeAndre Ayton's positioning on the block was impressive. It's something that he continues to get better at. We talked about in uh, earlier pods during this season how DeAndre Ayton had a problem where a couple things. One, he'd catch the ball way too far outside and didn't have the ability to maneuver to get inside and get a good shot. Mm-hmm. Or he'd catch the ball, and the, his first move was always away from the basket. Yeah. And I really noticed in this game his ability to get the ball either in the right position or to just do a spin move yeah. and just lay it right in. I mean, that's all, a thing of beauty. Yeah, that's all it takes for him, man. Yeah. And he'll figure it out sooner or later, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hope well, so. Well, uh, he's figuring it out right now in front of our eyes. I mean, is, DeAndre yeah. is really starting to blossom. Yeah. And... Great. You couple that with Ricky Rubio having a great first half. He had nine assists in the first half. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was tight at halftime. And But you're like, you know what? We're playing very well. 
It was a fun broadcast to watch because oh, like yeah. Isaiah Thomas was on. Best part of the on. game was yeah. Isaiah Thomas. Him and EJ grew up together, so yeah. you know you hear them kind of bullshitting back and That's forth, the best, isn't it? You know, EJ I'm so jealous of that. I, <laughs> how Dude, cool was that? that how was cool so would have cool. been K Ray right there, just like oh, yeah. sitting next to both of them, just being, like setting them up with questions and then watching those guys talk. Ah, oh, that must have been it, fun. It was great, man. And Isaiah Thomas said a lot of really good things about um, the the Suns, basically just showing saying that they have an identity now yes to where the pistons don't he's mm-hmm. like hopefully they can find in the future but he said sons have that chemistry now and they have that identity that they didn't have for 10 years mm-hmm. so now we have something there that was great to hear he also compared himself to booker a little bit to where when he first started off in his career he was talking about if i got good stats we should win mm-hmm. and that's the way booker was but booker was always just about stats. I don't know if he was really worried about winning too much when he first was in the NBA, but then Isaiah Thomas talks about, well, the more you sacrifice, your stats aren't going to be there, mm-hmm. but your team's going to win, and that's all that matters. So I feel like, I mean, Booker's still getting his stats, and we're not winning. So <laughs> I was trying to think, I'm like, so what else does Booker need to do for us to win? What else does he have to do to sacrifice? Because I feel like he's a playmaker now, which is great. Yeah. But it's like, what else has to happen for us to get those wins that, I mean, better players, I guess. But other than that... Well, to that point, though, more of an identity of a team. And I think that that's one thing that the Suns have done a good job of, and James Jones primarily, is putting guys in a position that allow us to have an identity. Not having Kelly Oubre, who is the soul of this team, who's the identity of this team, who makes us the Valley Boys, when we lose that identity... It starts. You see it on the court. It's clear as night and day. And this was a game where, you know, again, decent first half. A team we should be killing, but you know they're still in it. Okay, whatever. Then the second half happens, and all of a sudden the the Suns find themselves down by twelve points. Here's one thing I noticed: every time the Suns were fighting back and they made a momentous dunk or three, what did the head coach uh, Dwayne Casey for the Pistons do? Timeout. Called a timeout. Every time we're down, we're down twelve points. Yeah. Uh, Cam Johnson has a dunk. Timeout. Yeah. You know, we're down ten points. I think Ricky Rubio hit a three. Timeout. Like there's no chance for us to get any momentum. That's good coaching. Yes, it is. Why doesn't Monty ever do that? He never does. He ever. I, I yell. I've never done this where I'm playing ba- or watching basketball where I'm yelling call timeout. Yeah. Because I just always expect timeouts. I never had to do that. But Monty doesn't. He waits. And two or three points is a big difference in the game to where he'll wait a possession and then call timeout. It's like, no, you call it now. Yeah. Like, don't wait because you know what's going to happen. The Suns are either going to give up a Mm three-pointer or give up. Even if it's like a dunk or a layup, they'll give it up and we'll be down even more. And then you're going to call timeout. So then the Pistons or any other team will have the momentum still carrying over. So that's every other team knows how to do that, but ours. Yeah, I I feel like consistently I I find myself doing the same thing. Monty call a timeout. He doesn't. We brick yes. a layup. They go down. They hit a three. Now he calls the timeout. I'm like, that's three that's points what we just happens. gave them. Yep. Uh, the Suns shot the the ball very well in this game. I mean, they shot sixty percent in this game, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, right? it is. It is. You know, but it's just a defense. They had yeah. eighteen turnovers. Oh yeah. The Pistons only had ten. And Detroit outscored the Suns 19 to 5 on the fast break. And Brandon Knight, former Phoenix Suns, <laughs> decides to have his best game of the season, yeah. scoring 19 points off the bench, including 11 in the fourth quarter. Did you know he played for the Pistons? 
I had no I, idea. I had no idea, no idea. I didn't know. All of a sudden, Brandon Knight's there wearing number 20. I'm like, oh, shit, Brandon Knight. Yeah, hitting big uh-huh. threes. He's hitting like threes like when Mark Keefe or, uh, or the Morris twins, when they come back, they just hit these threes with everyone yeah. in their face. That's what he was doing. Yeah, he had no yeah. problem with it and just decided, oh, guys, I, I know you forgot about yeah. me, so let me just have my best night of the, the season here in Phoenix. Exactly. And for some reason, we let Derrick Rose do whatever he wants. So- Amen. I, I know like we had Mikhail Bridges, anybody, or even Cam Johnson was on him. or It doesn't matter. This guy couldn't miss, so you double-team him. That's what you mm-hmm. do. You double-team. Exactly. And they they're never a would. Shit, they're a shitty team, so if they double him, he's yes. got to pass it to a shitty player. And they're like, no, no, no. Let's let Cam yeah. Johnson take him one-on-one in a, with a minute left. Yeah. You just you can't do that. And it, it drives me crazy because if you pass it... Like they even showed it in the game. Once another player got it, they jacked up a crazy three. Like Brandon and I threw up a crazy oh, three yeah. on that comeback. Yep. Where, and towards the end, where we actually were playing defense and we got some turnovers and all that. But then all you have to do is double team Derrick Rose. That's all. I it just takes. don't understand what is going on because we needed this game. You know, I, I think there's a con, uh, a consistent thing that we keep hitting back to, and I know you're going to talk about it when we talk about our weekly notes. It's coaching. It is. It's coaching. It's a big Because, again, the Suns did their best to come back in this game. Cam Johnson, three for three from downtown in the fourth quarter. Huge shots. Yes. Cam's nailing them. Suns are right in the game. Then two back-to-back possessions under a minute left. Derrick Rose running ISO just goes right down to the hole, does a mm. spin move, and lays it in. No double teams coming. Nothing. Nothing. You know, he uh, matched a season high with 31 points. So again, a shitty freaking team. We let two guys come in here and have their best games of the season. And then what kills me is the final shot of the game. Where, again, this is coaching. You get to set up what that final shot of the game is. Do you know what final shot doesn't work at all for the Phoenix Suns? A shot in which you throw the ball into a rolling booker towards the corner and he jacks up a three. Because I was at the game against Denver on December 23rd. And he took the same exact shot. It was on the other side of the court. He did yeah. on the right side of the court versus the left side of the court. And it got blocked into the fifth row. Yeah. So what did they do this time? They do the same thing on the other side of the court. Booker pump fakes with 1.9 <laughs> seconds left. The guy goes flying by so it doesn't get blocked. And then Booker tries to jump into him and, and shoots it after the buzzer already sounded. It's like, Monty, you have to have a better play drawn up than that. Because it doesn't fucking work. Okay? It doesn't work. Cam Johnson's got a hot hand. A, you don't need a three-pointer. You don't need a three. Okay, you're down two. Yeah. So you don't need a three. And B, why are you doing these rolls into the corner where these long athletic wings know it's coming and they're either blocking it or they're changing Booker's shot? Yeah. Why not get it to Cam Johnson? Why not do a play, download an eight, and let him try to take it up real quick and get fouled potentially or get a game-tying layup? Yeah. Again, bad coaching. It's Yeah. And we I mean, lose to the Detroit freaking Pistons at home in a, in a game in which... Has playoff implications. It does. Memphis we're, loses earlier that night. But like all the teams in front of us too, like we're all within like four or three games. Yes. So it's these are the games these, you have to win. We should never be in this position against the Pistons. I know it's basketball; things happen, but no, no, it's it is basketball. So <laughs> you're a better team than the Pistons. So go out there and prove that you are. I guess they're not. Obviously, clearly they we've lost to them twice this season. Yeah, and the thing is with Booker on the rollouts, we we're talking about Leonard, his length. He can't shoot over dudes that are jumping in his face trying to block a shot. It's going to get blocked. Like, he can't get anything over anybody. He can't. Unless he's, like, on the elbow. He does a little fadeaway. Unless he's shooting that Elliot wee shot. But just terrible. I don't even know what to say. I couldn't believe it happened. But 
it always happens. This is the way it always happens. But then following that game, we're like, okay, at least we're playing the worst team in the NBA the next night. Yeah. You know, and this is a game where we actually went golfing yesterday and mm-hmm. we're like, okay, you know, like obviously we're going to go find a place to watch the game afterwards, but we're like, it's it, no, no rush. We should yeah. kill this team. Yeah. So we finally get to a bar and the Suns are up like almost 20 points. I mean, they scored 41 points in the first quarter mm-hmm. against the Warriors. And we're like, yep, this is what we expected. Yeah. You know, should be nice and easy. Again, the Warriors come into this game on an eight-game losing streak. They have no Draymond Green in the game. There's no reason why the Suns should have any issue with this team. And they came out with that haymaker in the first quarter. 41 points right on the chin of them. Okay? Then what happens? The Suns, in the second half, score 34 total points. 34 points in the second half against the worst team in the NBA. Do you think that, again, this is lack of focus? Is it coming from coaching? Or is it player-driven? I mean, what, what, what do you think that balance is? It's both, but I would go with like 60-40 coaching. Just okay. because okay. you have to have your players ready. And I hate it. I took a screenshot. I didn't want to see post-game interviews. I don't know if it was this game or the Pistons game, but I hate to see these quotes. I got to get, Monte says, I got to get my team ready. To play. I didn't get them ready to play. It's like, okay, so what are you supposed to do to get your team ready to play? Just do that every time, every game. I don't understand why there's the inconsistency of, oh, we weren't ready to play. We overlooked this team. It's still the same crap. It w- it's what makes us want to give up watching them play, but then another game comes around. It's like, oh, we're still in the playoff race. Let's see if this works out. No, it's not. This is why I called it a dead season six weeks ago. It's yeah. because the coaching, the way the players, now that Ubre is out, we have no fire at all. And I've never seen a half like that where... We were watching it, and then I turn around, we're talking, look back up, oh, Warriors are getting closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden the Suns can't make anything. It looked like the Warriors had 10 players out there playing defense. Yeah. It's just, these things are just frustrating. This is why people, this is why coaches lose their jobs. This is Mm -hmm. why everyone gets fired, because you lose the team, you don't have them ready to play, you can't call a freaking timeout when you're supposed to call a timeout. So these things are just things that we had to deal with this season and it makes everyone want to give up and you can see twitter people are just fed up with this Mm because we should not be seeing this for the suns right now where we have a chance to make the playoffs agreed and that second half was just so horrible to watch the Suns shot 29.7 percent from the field in the second half the warriors had eight players play last night seven of them had double figures I mean, so it's a combination. We can't shoot. We can't stop them. Yeah. You know, Dragon Bender had 13 points. That was his highest scoring night since he played in Phoenix. Okay? <laughs> Another former son comes in, has his best it's fucking... It's disgusting. You know, man. it's disgusting. Did disgusting. you even see... Well, sorry. No, no, you're right. The post, the post game with Tom Chambers where no, you I just saw his look on his face. Just like, what the hell is going on it's like, here? Oh, gosh. It's, I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just so frustrating to watch. Um, one thing that the Suns need to stop doing is... Having Lindsey Smith at the end of every game interview a player on the other team. Because she's sitting there interviewing some guy I've never seen before. Yeah. You know, and she's like, oh, hey, what, what, what'd you guys do to come out and win this game? And it's like, she needs to be interviewing our guys. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's something that the Suns just, it's, I see it too often now. What they should do is they should uh, have Lindsey Smith go out there, ask him a question, just leave. Just like, don't <laughs> even, don't even just take the mic and the camera, just leave the leave the player. <laughs> As far as weekly notes go, the the big thing that I wrote down is something you referenced a little bit earlier, and I think this is unbelievably true when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. The Suns don't impose their will on anybody. If we're playing the Utah Jazz or the Clippers or the Pistons or the Warriors, we play their game. 
we don't force them to play our game. Yeah. And because of that, we struggle. You know, you've heard that phrase in the past, playing to the level of your competition. The Suns do that too often. You look at teams like the Clippers. They impose their will. They go, we are the Los Angeles Clippers. This is how we play basketball. (laughs) You have to try to stop us from playing our basketball. Instead of the Phoenix Suns going out there and saying, okay, we're going to try to stop you from playing our basketball. They should be saying, no, we're the Phoenix Suns. This is how we play basketball. Mm-hmm. Booker's deadly from three. He's gonna he's gonna put you in mismatches. Mikhail's a, is tough and is gonna play you defensively. DeAndre Ayton's a pain in the ass down low. Good luck trying to figure that out. They don't do that. They play they to don't. they play to the other team's strengths. Mm-hmm. And I just again, we've said it before, and I'll say it again. This was a horrible week for coaching for Monty Williams. It was bad. He can't get his rotations down right. He's got Okobo coming in. He can't get his team up to play the Pistons or the Warriors. Again, there's accountability on the players for sure. They're the ones who have to go out there and execute the game plan. But he needs to go in there and just, you know, scream at these guys. Like, you're professionals. We're trying to make the playoffs right now. Yeah. And you can't beat the two shittiest teams on the schedule for the next three weeks because it doesn't get easier. It doesn't. It doesn't get easier. It's way bad. We'll talk about in our week 20 preview, man. Yeah. Next week's going to suck too. A uh, couple other notes I have for this week. Aiton, 20.3 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game, and 62% from the field this week. Mm-hmm. So kudos to DeAndre Aiton. Hell yeah, dude. Just playing out of his mind. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic, dude. You have Booker's lackadaisical week, 21.3 points per game, and five turnovers a game. Yeah, he's That's been big. he's been very very sloppy. It was uh, it reminds me of a lot when uh, LeBron in the All Star game was giving up the second quarter so that Giannis can win. He was just turning the ball over. <laughs> That's what Booker looks like right now. He's just turning over, and it's just it's it's annoying to see that happen and no one holding him accountable. But then when other teammates mess up, he's still on their ass. Yeah, like he's a real leader. He maybe he is. I don't know, but I'm just I'm sick of seeing him. Throwing balls away, turning the ball over, especially when the Suns are close, like getting into last the game. night against the Warriors. Yeah. You know they're coming down, they're trying to make a comeback in the end, and he comes and there was like three plays in a row where it's just like horrible passes or horrible yes. shots, and it's just like something's off. You know, well again we talked about it. You know, he's mentally tired, he's physically tired, he's emotionally tired. So I do have understanding and empathy yeah. for that. I do. But it, what do we say at the end of the game last night? That's our superstar. Yeah, that's our superstar. Yeah, uh, my player of the week is Papa Ricky, man. points per game this week, 10.5 assists per game this week, and he shot 47.6% from the field. And he had a stretch of four straight games with 15-plus points and 10-plus assists, and he's the first guy since Steve Nash to do that. So Papa Ricky had a fantastic week Mm -hmm. uh, when he went into Utah, and we didn't talk about this, and, you know, again, it's... We're trying to stay as positive as possible, but it was it was a really rough week. But he had an amazing game when we went into Utah. He had 22 points, 11 assists, and 7 steals. Yeah. And the last time anybody who's done that in a Phoenix Suns uniform was 1996. KJ did it. And he's only done that one other time, Ricky Rubio has, where he had 20-plus points, 10-plus mm-hmm. assists, and 5-plus steals. And it was against the Suns when he played for the Jazz. Yeah. So, Papa Ricky, fantastic week. Yeah, he's our Rajon Rondo, man. <laughs> he, he definitely is. We basically just went over the timeout thing, Monte Williams coaching, and I feel like I already went over all of it, but the thing is that drives me nuts, I'm still seeing it, is where Suns are losing games, and they're trying to come back in the fourth, and for some reason, 
Aiden and Ruby are getting subbed out with five minutes left in the game. Yeah, I still don't understand the substitution I don't, pattern. It's like, so what? you're going to come out for a minute and you're rested and that's what you need? Or do you fight through it and just have them play the last five minutes? Well, especially in these games where we're already down 10 points and then they're taking them out. Yeah, so... It's I like, we need you in there. You're our best players. We need you in there. Yeah. When it's five minutes to four minutes, why am I seeing Javon Carter or Elliot Cobo and Aaron Baines? Yeah. Like, we're down 10, dude. It, it sucks to see that. I know I against the Pistons, I think we still came back even when they were subbed out. Yeah. But still, it's just like, this can't happen to where you're having the guys play the whole quarter. You're like, oh, shit, I got to give them a break. It's five minutes left. Exactly. Is that what happens, you think, where he just forgets? <laughs> that like oh I gotta get these guys a break no because it's too consistent he's doing it every time he does it every he time need, it's like we talked about earlier this season he needs yeah. to do that with like eight minutes left yeah I, I, that's what I put it has to be eight minutes man I, or six minutes at the the least yeah yeah also too just the big shout out by Bill Simmons pod man um, <laughs> so the way the way they still see us the media is and, and the bright side of the sun is that who's out first in Phoenix is it gonna be Booker or Cat? That's what we always are. Who's out first for Booker? Is Booker going to be out of Phoenix or is Cat going to be out of the Timberwolves? Like, yeah. Well, let's bet on that. That's how we're still seeing because people still think, you know, Booker's our best player. He is he's an all-star and we don't know how to run a, a, a run our freaking team and coach. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, I, yeah, that's what it looks like. But I want to get rid of that. I don't want people to link us with that anymore. I want everyone to be happy here and I want to win. <laughs> well, it's tough after I don't this even week. know what I'm talking about right now because <laughs> I'm just going over random shit. And here comes the phlegm. <clears throat> so, uh, anyways, uh, what do you got for the preview for next week, man? Well, real quick, I want to talk about the stat of the week. As I have the Phoenix oh, okay. Suns are 28th in the league in turnover percentage. 11.9% of their possessions result in the turnover. I like that. That's not good. That's not good. It's fourth worst in the league. We're 28th in the league. Oh, my god! Not good. No, it's not And good. you saw it a lot this week. You know, why did we have a hard time against the Pistons? Turning the ball over. Yeah. You know, the Warriors. Turning the ball over. Sloppy basketball. Really bad. One thing that we saw this week is something that I haven't seen for a while, and that is just that. Sloppy basketball. The reason the Suns haven't been good for a long time is late, lackadaisical play and bad passes. We've been really good at that this season. We lead the league in, in assists. Yeah. This week was a rough week there. Looking at next week, only two games this week. They're both home games. One against the Raptors and one against the Bucks. Oh, so it's definitely going to be a... Mercy. <laughs> You know, the two best teams in the Eastern Conference are coming to Talking Stick Resort Arena. Um, I don't have much to say about those two teams coming in. There's a, those are going to be really tough matchups. If we can't get up against Golden State, how are we going to get up against the Bucks or the Raptors? They'll find a way to get up because, like I said, they're going to focus on who the team is, and they're just going to find a way to get up and then lose by 10. <laughs> but So looking forward to Week 20, huh? As far as the Suns report response, I got some questions for you this week from oh, the fans. Baby. Okay, So first question of the week comes from Javier Robles on Facebook. And he asks, first topic of discussion, what the fuck happened? <laughs> uh, Javier, if you listen to this entire podcast, I think you know what happened. Bad coaching, couldn't yeah. get up for the games, period. At Sundress Dunks asked, now that the season is over, <laughs> uh, do we play guys like Ty Jerome and Jalen LeCue more and just say F it? It's going to happen, I think, within a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think so after too. The, after this week, it's going to happen. And I think it's, it's uh, 
get Elliot Kobo out of the game and get those guys some more minutes for I sure. I would hope so. You know? But uh, I don't know. I didn't think this would happen. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's like we're going down the same thing as last year. We weren't going to do. I thought we, this was not going to happen ever again for a long time. Yep. That we wouldn't and have ta- to sit guys and try to see what talent we have and things yeah. of that nature. But I definitely think, I don't think it'll be till April. I think yeah. the last, you know, six games will bring these guys up and really give them more of a chance. Because I still think that, you know, kind of to the point that we've made, Monty, for some reason, really wants to know what Elia Kobo has, and he's going to continue to give him opportunities. So I think throughout the yeah. month of March, we're going to see plenty of Ellie, but I think then once April hits, it's going to be uh, Jane LeCue and Ty Jerome time. Yep. Uh, the last question, I saw this one on Facebook. We got our asses kicked by former sons this week, right? What former Phoenix son who is currently active do you wish was still on the Suns? Um, man, I don't know. It's just it's a, a terrible... good question, huh? You want one of the Morris twins? No, who do I want? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Do I dare say Eric Bledsoe? <laughs> I, no I mean, technically, I that, mean, he's that, the that best was... player out there right now that we let go. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, he's on the best team in the NBA. Or maybe uh, Robin Lopez. Okay, Rockin' yeah. Robin, man. Sideshow cool. Bob. Yeah. That would be kind of cool to have him I back so on the too. Suns. Yeah. That's a really good answer. I was going to go with Airplay Mode Jones. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. I like Derek Jones a lot, but yeah, Robin Lopez. That's a, that's a good sure, answer. Man. You know, again, it was a rough week for the Phoenix Suns, but this upcoming week isn't going to be rough because we're going to be putting out some really good podcasts for you to listen to here on the Bright Side of the Sun Network. On Tuesday, we're going to be dropping our Understanding Our Assets podcast. Let's face it, season's over from a, uh, a playoff standpoint. Doesn't mean the season's over from a game standpoint. We still have an opportunity to see this team and see if they can right the ship from a attitude standpoint and from a uh, get shit done standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's also good to really understand what our assets are as a team as we get ready to head into the off season. So what we'll talk about on the podcast that comes out on Tuesday is what are the contracts? What draft picks do we have? What contracts do we have? Uh, how do those fit into what potentially James Jones could do in this offseason? So make sure you tune in for that one. And then on Thursday, we're going to release our Start, Bench, and Trade Jersey Number 2 podcast. We did Start, Bench, and Trade Jersey Number 1. Got a lot of great feedback on that. So we figured we'd go to the next jersey, which is Jersey Number 2, mm-hmm. uh, which has your buddy Eric Bledsoe there. Yeah, so it we'll, does. We'll be discussing yeah. that one on Thursday. So... You know, if you get a chance, folks, please stop by and listen to that one. You know, and again, thank you for tuning into the Suns Report podcast. It was a rough week. I want to be more optimistic, but after a week like this, you know, every now and then you just need to have a week. It's funny because you read the questions that we got in yeah. the Suns Report response, and everybody has the F word in there. Yeah, and I think that's the collective feeling Suns fans have right yeah. now. How I feel is like, why is my stepson still going back to jail every freaking week? I just, and I still love him and support still him, and I don't know him. why. Yeah. You know, And we love the Suns, and there's no doubt about it. I really do love the roster that we have in place. I just don't understand why we can't get up for these games against shitty teams. You know, That's what makes this week such a downer. Uh, it's going to be a rough week 20, but following that, you know, we, we button up this homestand and we hit the road for the remainder of the season for the most part. So yeah. we're really going to learn a lot about this team and, and how Monty adjusts. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm taking from this week is, Monty Williams, it's your time to really understand what you have and how to execute with what you have. Because now you're going to have a different kind of player out there. You have a player out there who, who knows that the playoffs aren't happening. So how do you motivate that player? Mm-hmm. We'll find out, oh, there, Monty. We'll find out. 
Again, hit us up on Twitter at The Suns Report. Make sure you subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network where you can hear The Suns Report, which is us, and Fanning the Flames, which is Justin and Paul. Uh, Make sure you stop by our Facebook page. Hit us up on Twitter, yada, yada, yada. I'm done with this week, Matthew. I'm done too, man. I'm going to go home and love my family. (laughs) 